Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. The Pride of Detroit POD cast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, and it's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park, and each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions and the POD cast, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. For our listeners, we have a special offer for you. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get you 15% off your order. That's POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, PrideofDetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. As always, we tell you, you know where to find us live now on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit and youtube.com slash at Pride of Detroit as the Pride of Detroit POD cast enters off-season mode. The season is over. The hunt begins anew. And I must thank everyone who has been listening to us for all of these months, for this entire season. Um, I've seen the numbers. I've seen how many people have been listening to us, especially in January. And rest assured, the ride never ends on POD. We never sleep. We will continue. We continue this through the offseason, through free agency, through the draft. There's no breaks on the POD machine. We will have some new podcasts coming for you here in February, not just POD cast, but our lineup changes a little bit. We had a little bit of a lull last week. Uh, we'll have midweek mailbag back before you know it. Some new offerings coming along here and uh, on on the feed as well. We've kind of gotten a good groove having it like three, four shows a week, and I'd like to keep it going that way. But I am Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett on Twitter. Coming up today on the POD cast, we do need to talk about Coaching staff, coordinators returning and fun spin cycles and media wars happening that are just very fun. I know some Lions fans will say, oh, I don't really care about this. You you care. It's drama. You care. You care. And we'll also be talking about the end of the year presser from Brad, from general manager Brad Holmes and some fire in the belly from that man who might be more fire, even more fired up than Dan Campbell. But first, Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online, cleanly shaven and somehow did not get insulted for removing his mustache by said Brad Holmes. How are we today, Jeremy? I'm great. Uh, fired up from that Brad Holmes press conference. We'll get into why in a little bit, but uh, mm. fired up for from what he said and fired up for avoiding his crosshairs as well. That was that was nice. The uh, speaking of fights between media and people here. 
that's a that's a fun little episode we'll talk there. But first, Ryan Matthews. Back is the rock guy. At Ryan underscore P-O-D. Speaking of someone who uh so not a visual medium, Ryan, but for those who are watching on Twitch and YouTube, they can read it. But for those at home listening on the podcast version, Ryan has been displaying a whiteboard much like um, who's that one guy from Denver? Woody, Woody Page. Woody Page. Woody Page. He has unveiled a Woody Page style whiteboard. And right now it says, I'm glad Brad doesn't read any of my articles. Hashtag reek for Malik. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? <laughs> doing wonderful. I'm glad that I wasn't in Allen Park today. <laughs> yeah. People say things. What, what what can I say? People say things and people then say things back. That is the cycle of life. And very soon I'm going to talk about how two, two groups of people have been saying things because first on the docket, the Lions scored probably the biggest coup. We talked about a little bit last week on coordinators returning to the Detroit Lions. Now, since that podcast where we learned on Tuesday, Ben Johnson was going to be returning with the Detroit Lions. He turned down the commander's job and previously turned down the Seahawks who were leaning towards him as well. But also now with every coaching position now filled, uh, Mike McDonald for the Seahawks and Dan Quinn for the commanders means Aaron Glenn will be remaining as Lions defensive coordinator as well. We'll start there before talking about some new changes that we've got here. But uh, which you think is the more interesting story to start with, Jeremy? Is it Aaron Glenn and maybe some mixed feelings from certain fans that I personally reject, but we'll talk about that. Whereas, or is it this war of words that's going on right now with Ben Johnson and the commanders? I'll, I'll let someone else lead off with the drama. I'd, I'd rather talk a little bit about Aaron Glenn because mm. I like, listen, I'm happy he's returning. I think having that sort of consistency um, in your defense and your scheme in your, in the expectations. I mean, that NFLPA poll we're we're going to be constantly bringing it up because it is such a big deal that he has the respect of the room that matters so so much that i think once the talent gets to where it needs to be on defense i i really think this defense has a chance of being very good that said i'm a little disappointed in the rest of the league like it doesn't seem like he came close to any of these shops he interviewed for three or four of them and with all the news coming out of washington it seemed like Aaron Glenn was the plus one in their trip to Detroit and reading Diana Rossini's whole article, like Aaron Glenn was mentioned it, it, once in her entire like 2000 word article about the Washington search. So he never really felt like a serious candidate. And I understand the, the on-field product isn't what they are, but like, I really thought that NFLPA report was going to carry him and and give him some consi- like serious consideration somewhere else. But seems like the NFL hasn't quite caught up to the idea that a head coach should be a leader first and a schematic guy second. And that that to me is I, th- I thought that was going to change a little when you look around the league, like some of these leader types like Dan Campbell. I was going to say like Mike Rabel, but I guess maybe not the best example since he got fired and and no one wants people big, are scared. Scary coaches, uh, big guy, <laughs> big, big, strong, scary man, too scary for football. Yeah, but I, I guess that that's kind of my overall take. Like I'm I'm very happy to have him back, but I I think he deserves to be an NFL head coach, and I'm I'm disappointed that it seems like now three years into you know him taking interviews, no one has taken him that seriously. 
Ryan, is this? I know what's on everyone's mind, and it feels extremely so that this is a case of people using Aaron Glenn just to tick off a Rooney rule box. Like Jeremy, I am bewildered that he is not getting more chances to coach. Like he's having these interviews right now. I think that I, and I even disagree with fans. Like we've, we've talked throughout the season, how well he is schemed defensively. I know it gets like, it will come up nonstop about how many big plays the lions have given up, but you're not hiring Aaron Glenn to be directly your defensive coordinator. You're hiring him to be your leader of your locker room. And for whatever reason, He's he's not getting that look. So it then comes back to the inevitable question of whether or not the, the RR applies here. If it's just people checking off a box for a Rooney rule, which is very disrespectful to the man and very short sighted for what he could offer to an organization. Yeah, I, I, I guess I don't know the more things change, the more they stay the same. Um, you know, I, I think that. If you look at like some numbers for, um, you know, Matt Patricia's final year in, in New England, uh, I, I don't know how much you could really spot the difference between what he was able to accomplish in terms of uh, defensive efficiency and, and Aaron Glenn in terms of def- defensive efficiency. But um, it, it's unfortunate that to, to Jeremy's point, right, like a guy who so clearly has the command and the respect of the players who play for him. And we talked about that a lot when it comes to their run defense, right? Like that's an attitude thing. That's a thing that comes from the top down. And and if, if the guy at the top isn't, isn't preaching the right stuff, if he isn't pushing the right buttons, if he isn't pushing the gas in the right way, I think a lot of players could get turned off from playing uh, an especially physical brand of football. And, and that's what the lions defense does. And Aaron Glenn is spearheading all of that. And, and Aaron Glenn is their leader. And it's unfortunate that there's another cycle that comes and goes and, it's not that Aaron Glenn wasn't considered because he was, he got interviews. It's just, it, it doesn't seem like he was considered seriously and it's beyond unfortunate. Um, it's, uh, it's sad. It's, it's really sad to see a guy who I think his time is going to come, but at the same time, you look at a guy who just got let go from Washington and Eric the And I know a lot of people said, Hey, you know, his time will eventually come and all those years under Andy Reed. And then he finally gets a chat, you know, a chance to be an offensive coordinator in Washington and a new coaching staff in there with Dan Quinn and Eric the without a job. So um, I, I think that these opportunities that, that are ahead of Aaron Glenn are still going to be there. It's just, I'm wondering when teams are going to start taking him seriously as a head coaching candidate and not just a member of what the Detroit Lions have built, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, at some point they're going to come for a lot of Lions coaches. They, they already are right. Like there's a couple other that have been interviewed. No one obviously has gotten hired, but yeah, I, I think that's a really good point because it, this is not just a Dan Campbell tree person. This is a guy who has plenty of merit on his own. He was rising up the ranks in, in New Orleans before he decided to move to Detroit. Um, and yeah, I just, I don't know. To me, it's just, it's frustrating. But I mean, I guess, I guess we should count our blessings from the Lions side because as, as I pointed out on Twitter a couple, you know, last week, the Lions, Aaron Glenn is now the third longest tenured defensive coordinator in football. 
Ben Johnson is tied for being the longest off tenured offensive coordinator in football. I know that sounds ridiculous considering Ben Johnson is in year three is entering year three and Aaron Glenn is entering year four, but that's, that's how much overturn there is, whether it is your, you know, your, your coach loses patience in you and, and tosses you aside, or you succeed long enough to get poached. And the Lions are, are now in a good enough position to, to have neither of those happen. And that's, that's a huge blessing. It is a problem of instability around the league, I think, in coordinators to what you're talking, Jeremy. And yes, it is good for the Lions. They get to run it back. It's just, I think we also as fans and as, you know, people who just, I, I think all these guys are easy to root for. I just kind of, again, it's two-sided, right? You're happy to see Aaron Glenn still be here in Detroit, but at the same time, you want him to succeed professionally as well. And that's, I think, why this particular story, we we take this particular angle with Aaron Glenn. Uh, another story that has kind of been creeping around has been this war of words between Ben Johnson and the commanders. As I just said, last week we talked, uh, you guys talked about it. I was not on for the particular subject, but Ben Johnson returning with the Detroit Lions, deciding late, uh, just like he did last year with, uh, with the Panthers to return to Detroit. It seems he has a lot of attachment to this particular group of men that he is coaching right now. But what has happened Almost bewildering has been a massive war of of leaks going on between the commanders and Ben Johnson in regards to who really was at the fault of why this didn't work out. Because I think there is a particular I'm going to use an anime term. The commanders are trying to act Sundere right now. They're trying to act like they didn't actually want Ben Johnson in the first place, even though when the news broke, they were mid-flight coming out to Detroit to meet with Ben Johnson. And now everything we've heard since then has been, well, actually, uh, he wasn't the lock. We thought he we, we that people said he was. That was a line, I believe, from Adam Schefter repeated more than a few times, which, again, begs the question, why were you in the middle of a flight up there to meet him if he wasn't the lock that you thought it was? Everyone to the point where we had other insiders talking about this was the guy who was going to be the next commander's head coach to now it was from several places to several places because Seattle people are saying this, too, that, well, Ben Johnson didn't actually interview very well. And then there was this uh, there's been this odd side uh, discussion about apparently over text that he wanted too much money It from Ben Johnson's camp on the other side has been denigrations on commander's ownership that they aren't that they were off putting that they are, quote, basketball people, not football people like I, this gets more and more ridiculous and more catty the more we, we play it out. And I uh, can understand why Lions fans don't like this, because the only important thing is that Ben Johnson is back. So I guess. Ultimately, though, this is a guy who's now turned down a head coaching job twice in two years, and I think you'll keep getting opportunities, Jeremy, and especially next year, there could be some interesting jobs that open up. But this does feel like a lot of people are trying to burn some bridges right now. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of odd and interesting that Ben Johnson and to be clear, like he wasn't offered either of these jobs, the Panthers job last year or the Washington job. The, this year, but it does feel like, and, and there are definitely some rumors floating around that like these, these interviews that he essentially canceled to come back were like formalities to get hired. And that's, it's a frustrating 
situation. The whole NFL coaching cycle and and process is ridiculous. Like that, the fact that the that Washington was already behind everyone else. You know, they were what they, they were eight out of eight to to hire a head coach. They they were waiting patiently this entire time for Ben Johnson to get out of the playoffs. He did, and then. Ben decided, and and yeah, it was poor timing, right? I even heard today, I think it was from Albert Breer, that, you know, his agent texts the commanders while they're flying to Detroit. The commanders don't get that text because they're in the air. They see it on Twitter first, and then when they land, the text goes through. And so, like, yeah, they probably have some right to be pissed off a little bit. But at the same time, this is kind of how it works, and it's not the Lions' fault that they've had to wait all this time. It's the NFL's fault. The way the the coaching cycle is set up is 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 set up to screw the people that are being the most patient, um, and and that sucks for the commanders. But this weird drama suddenly Ben Johnson is like arrogant. He doesn't get along. He's more of a guy who likes to stand in the tower and he can't lead and he costs too much. Like all this unnecessary stuff just makes Washington look super super petty about the entire thing, and. And, and, and the other th- point I want to make, this whole th- notion that like, uh-oh, Ben Johnson's burning bridges. He burned the bridges with Carolina. He burned the bridge. Like, shut up. If he leads another top five offense in 2024, no one is going to give a crap about what he did to Washington. Give me a break. I think it says more about the ownership in both of those places. Like, I, I know the commanders just got rid of Dan Snyder and everyone thinks it's a new leaf over there, but they've been it's been a rough Ryan for them to get going off the ground. And we know everything we know. David Tepper has told you exactly who he is by now as well. I don't think those are necessarily gr- like if there are bridges being burned, then farewell to those bridges, I guess. But what do you make of this whole situation? Well, I, I do want to bring it back to the first point because, Hey, commander's ownership. Tell, tell us how unserious you were about Aaron Glenn without telling us how unserious you were. Yeah, you're exactly. So, you're, so, you're so upset that you're out of flight to go interview not only Ben Johnson, but also Aaron Glenn. And you throw this hissy fit in the media about how Ben Johnson is this and Ben Johnson's that. Whatever happened with the interview with Aaron Glenn? Like, it, it it's so painfully obvious that, again, like, it felt like maybe a courtesy to, to interview Aaron Glenn because you, you really want to get to Ben Johnson. Like... That feels so disingenuous. And then also, like, cool. Ben Johnson, you want to throw a lit match behind you to organizations like Carolina and Washington? You'll be just fine. You'll find (laughs) another job. Josh McDaniels has gotten multiple head coaching jobs. (laughs) Josh McDaniels got a job after he agreed to be the Indianapolis Colts head coach and then left them at the altar. Ben Johnson is going to have zero problem getting a job. Um... And the thing that's awesome about it is go ahead, burn all those bridges. I'd love for you to be the Lions offensive coordinator for the next three, <laughs> four, five years. Like, that's awesome. That, hey, if I'm I, I, as a Lions fan, Ben Johnson, I, call out more ownership. Like, I love I love the line about them being basketball people, because one of my favorite pastimes is just perusing Magic Johnson's Twitter, um, which is just riddled with like very obvious statements about anything that happened in the world of sports. And uh, the most obvious one uh, of of recent time is that the Washington, Washington commanders ended up with egg on their face because they 
were awful at organizing themselves, right? They were awful at delegating their resources and for managing. I mean, this is what happens. Like you got stuck. And I, I agree with Jeremy's point. Like the way that the NFL coaching cycle happens, like with the playoffs and, you know, I mean, even take a team, take two teams, right? Take like the Cardinals and, and the Colts, for example, from last year. I mean, they were waiting until the Super Bowl, right? To figure out what was going on with Steichen and what was going on with Gannon. Like, it feels like the NFL is is doing a disservice to their people that have an opportunity for upward, um, you know, upward opportunities by by having the cycle like this. So, like, it comes at the expense of a guy like Aaron Glenn, right? Like, maybe if maybe if the Lions get eliminated in the first round of the playoffs, maybe Aaron Glenn has a job just because he's more available to to talk to people. Like. And, and I know the Ben Johnson stuff is fun. It's catty. It's whatever. He's still the Lions offensive coordinator. That's all that matters at the end of the day. But I, I think like Aaron Glenn got head coaching interviews before he got to Detroit. Like he got a head coaching interview with the with the New York Jets yep. when he was a positions coach in, in New Orleans. So like, I don't know, like the, I, I think my big takeaway from the Ben Johnson stuff is like the commanders just weren't serious about Aaron Glenn. And that sucks, too. It does feel like the commanders were trading for a lot, like from what you're talking to, like it's felt more and more like the commanders have been trading on this goodwill that like, hey, we're not Dan Snyder. Huh? Huh? And it's hasn't really worked out. Let's move on to talk about new additions for the Lions because they do are, are adding someone. Uh, Terrell, Terrell Williams is going to be in the new D-line coach and uh, run game coordinator, Jeremy. Uh, he was at, he formerly of the Tennessee Titans. He was actually at the Senior Bowl as part of the Titans staff when the news broke and that he would be taking the Lions job. So this is very fascinating. What can you, what can you tell us about, um, because he has Dan Campbell ties going way back to Miami. And yeah. even, even crazier, he coached Brad Holmes. Yeah, that's my favorite bit about him is that he was the the D line coach for North Carolina AT and T or A and T A and T not AT um, and so like that's crazy. I was hoping Brad Holmes was going to get asked that today, but he didn't, and I I didn't have an opportunity to ask a question today. But um, really, I mean, super popular coach here. Like everyone in Tennessee loved him. His his uh, players very very respectful of him, and I you know I was and what some Titans writers were saying. One said that the defensive line has been the position group that has seen the most growth over the past three, four years under him. And then you mentioned it. He wasn't just part of the Titans staff at the Senior Bowl. He was the head coach of the American team at the Senior Bowl. He was also the head coach for the Titans during one preseason game. So he is on a fast track to not only be a really good defensive line coach for the Lions, but if you if you're looking and you're wondering if Aaron Glenn finally gets a job, who's going to step up and potentially be that defensive coordinator or maybe even a future head coach? Terrell Williams is could very well be that guy. I know a lot of people have circled Kelvin Shepard. Williams has been around a lot longer than Shepard is and and you know has already put in his due. So I like this hire from a developmental, you know, the Lions defensive line has a bunch of young players that need to take that next step. That's good. He's good for that. And for succession plans, I think you're in a good spot for a guy that that could very well step in and be your defensive coordinator a year or two down the line. And I think one of my favorite tweets um, that you included in that uh, reactions article that you did, Jeremy, was um, Teron Davenport talking about uh, Tavondre Sweat at the Senior Bowl, like uh, kind of like a fringe first round guy 
um, defensive tackle and and Sweat saying that like Williams helped show him how to better use his hands in just two days of working with him at the Senior Bowl. Like, okay, like a guy with like maybe first round talent and he's like picking stuff up like that. I mean, awesome to be coachable like that, but then awesome to know that a, this feels this feels akin to the Scotty Montgomery hiring to in in last year's yeah. offseason and, and losing Deuce Daly, but this one feels even more so that if Aaron Glenn does get an opportunity, he he could very well see himself maybe in a defensive coordinator position. Whereas Scotty Montgomery, it seemed like maybe you didn't want to think about that just because you didn't want Ben Johnson to leave. But also by the same token, it seemed like there was kind of this line of progression that maybe we we assembled based on Ben Johnson's uprising, right? Like from you know, passing game coordinators, tight end coach, you know, things like that. And then getting to where he is, but like, I think this Williams hire is is fantastic. Like, it's awesome. I'll be very fascinated to see what he does as the run game coordinator, almost as much as the D-line coach, just because, you know, we've seen some good stuff with the Lions run game, but he's also Williams coming from a very run-centric offense with Tennessee and, you know, what they were able to do with, with uh, um, uh, why am I blanking on Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry. I was thinking more of the, um, the other guy that I took in fantasy and I just, Help me here. Tajay Spears. Tajay Spears. Thank you. You're welcome. Wow. F- off season has hit me really hard with the adequacy already. But um, listen, before I know, I know we're running up against it here, but I, it is interesting that the Lions are now going to have three defensive line coaches in three years. You know, it, it, I guess it's only a, a one year stint for John Scott um, at this point. We don't really know. You know, he could be transferring to a different department. He could be fired. We don't really know at this point. Um, but it's kind of necessary, right? And it, it's a one thing that I admire about this staff is when something isn't working, and I'm not trying to throw John Scott under the bus here, they don't waste time into trying to figure out something. And if you look at maybe the biggest criticism of someone like Brad Holmes, it's like he continues to plug these resources in the defensive line and it continues to be an underperforming unit. You look at guys like Broderick Martin didn't see the field at all. Levi Onzerike dealing with a back injury, but he was healthy this year. You um, wonder where Josh the help Paschal. is on the edge for, for Aiden Hutchinson in some games. Right. Josh Pascal is, is a guy that you probably are expecting to hold that role in some sort of, and, and he took a step this year, but I think you'd be right to expect more than what you got out of Josh, Josh Pascal so far. So considering all they, they have all that youth, that untapped potential in the defensive line. I like the fact that they're being aggressive and uh, it it, it kind of speaks to this team's overall philosophy with, which is like, okay, we might be good here. Or okay. Here, but we can be better. Same thing with the running backs last year, right? Not just the running back coach, but like the running backs Swift and, and, and Jamal, those guys are good. We can do better. Our defensive line coach might've been good. We can do better. We're not going to, overlook any opportunities to improve whether that's on the roster whether it's on the coaching staff so I'm, I'm a big fan of this well you mentioned brad holmes and that's where we're going next on the pride of detroit pod cast but first it may be the offseason but we're still talking about meat the meat game never ends unlike the nfl season you know they say the nfl season never ends too actually it just you it's year long we are always talking about the nfl and guess what ryan we're always talking about meat There's always more meat in the world that can be processed, put together, smoked, cured, packaged, and right to your door, thanks to Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. I'm sorry, I threw it to Ryan, so now I kind of expect him to say something, even though he hates me doing these reads. (laughs) 
I don't hate you doing these reads. I'm just saying that if you have the opportunity, you should you should order more beef to your door than Brad Holmes brought to his press conference today. <laughs> Righteous felon jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. It is the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. Two ounce bags of jerky with 16 to 20 grams of protein. Meat sticks with eight grams. If it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, using locally sourced all natural black Angus beef. Listen, if you're new to the POD cast, I think you understand. All right. These guys are doing their read. Please rest assured. We eat this stuff. We enjoy the hell out of it. We enjoy I, I the literally, hell out of it. literally just ordered a, a, a full new variety pack that should be on, on the way in the next day or two. We are probably 80% responsible for the reason why their turkey jerky is never in stock now. And <laughs> as soon as it comes back into stock, we just buy up all of it. We hoard it. Ryan, Ryan in particular hoards it because that turkey jerky is made of something magical, man. Something magical. Buy your meat. We're going to help you buy the meat too. Righteousfelon.com. You go online, you order your meat, gets shipped to you nice and easy, but we're also giving you a discount 15% off with our code POD15. You use it at checkout, you get meat on sale, and you help us out in turn. All right. You can help give back, give back to us. You get meat in, in, in the process. We help you get the meat cheap. Everyone wins in this arrangement. So RighteousFelon.com, promo code POD15 at checkout, any order you want. We love you. We'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pride to Detroit POD cast. As we teased before, we're going to talk about, we like to talk about the general manager's press conference as the wrap up for every season. We are once again talking about Brad Holmes came out today on Tuesday. I mean, excuse me, Monday with a lot of fire in his belly, uh, very fired up. If you watch the video, he spent something like, I believe, about 14 minutes, Jeremy, just uh, raining fire down on it. People got called out. Uh, plenty of quotables to talk about. So I'm going to hand the reins over to Jeremy and me and Ryan will react to some of this because Jeremy, as we all like to point out, is there in the room. It was so yeah. hot in there. It burned his mustache off. And we but there, there's some fascinating quotes from Brad Holmes, especially as we get into the season where it is now Brad Holmes to control everything. Free agency the upcoming draft. This is where this man is going to be in his bag. And we're going to see what the lions do under the purview of Brad Holmes. Yeah. Well, first I also want to say like that press conference was a man who's been wanting to have a press conference for the past six months. Like man he's been yelling after every win. He's been so eager to like do his victory lap after all the crap he took in 2023 after that draft and I know he said at some point during this press conference that like, I'm not not trying to tell everyone I told you so. Brad, don't lie to us. You were trying to tell everybody I told you so for half of that press conference. Own it. It's fine. If you want to tell everyone I told you so after the job you've done, freaking do it. Spike that football. Do your victory dance. Call out people who doubted you. Why not? Th- that's to me like that's the added that's the attitude this team has taken and, and I'm for it like that to me, that was the most Dan Campbell press conference. Brad Holmes has ever done. Like they are starting to meld personalities a little bit where they're just like, I'm going to scream. I'm going to yell. I'm going to call people out. If, if, if at some point Brad Holmes had said the word kneecaps, I would not have been surprised. And like you said, though, that they're also mastering the tactic of, uh, taking the floor to themselves when a Q and a is to follow because one, <laughs> one of the, one of the funnier moments though, was Brad after his diatribe goes to, goes to exit stage, you know, exit stage left and, you know, laughs and comes back. But yeah, like I, I think that's officially Canon now, by the way, Chris, I think that we need to stick with that story about Brad Holmes, fire breathing. Oh, breathing fire, spitting fire, whatever you want to do for it. Jeremy's facial hair right off. Just yeah. burned off the mustache. We should we should say that Brad Holmes just does it every every year from here on out. It is it has taken years. It has made Jeremy look so much younger without the mustache. But I, but yeah. to, to go back really quick, like to me, all of that actually felt really deliberate because to me, Brad Holmes was walking to that stage with one goal in mind. Like build as much confidence as you possibly can in this fan base, because I think some people may have taken Dan Campbell's quote wrong when he said like, that may have been our only oh, shot. Absolutely. Right. I, I will tell you from the past week, uh, national media, there's absolutely been people who have taken that kind right. of as very defeatist. Right. And, and, and so Brad Holmes comes to the stage and what does he say? Best is yet to come, baby. You There's some great showmanship yet. here. There is some great showmanship between these two. I love it. I love it. We were just talking. I, I feel like Ryan to carry on the theme from the break. There is some, there is some uh, wonderful mic work 
being going on between the, these two as a duo. Yeah. I, can we get into the, some of, let's talk about some of the big takeaways. Like I, I want to talk about. Yeah. 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 I, if you don't mind, I want to go first because go. this was something that I thought Brad came back to a couple of times. Um, and it wasn't so much the comments about like the draft classes and position of blah, 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 all that stuff. Like, yeah, that stuff's funny for like a clip on Twitter, but something that really stood out to me was him multiple times coming back to not only, you know, citing, Hey, look, it's every move we make and it's every move we don't make and the intentionality of that. And he didn't say it once. He didn't say it twice. Like he said it on like a few occasions where he came back to this idea of like, it's the moves we don't make too. And, you know, I go back to his first off season, right? Like he makes a huge decision on Kenny Galladay. Like that's a move the Lions don't make. And, you know, I, I think with that too, he talked a lot about the 2021 draft class. Like he kept on going back to those guys because Jeremy, one of his overarching points, right. Was, um, you know, don't buy into the entertainment factor of, you know, grading a draft in the immediate, right. you know, aftermath of it taking place of the, he, and, and he talked a lot too about, Hey, like, yeah, you want, uh, he kind of made it seem like I could win a draft in April. Like I could win every draft uh, in, in April and May, but it's the drafts that you win in December. Right. Like right. those are, those are the things that have led the lions to this point. But I, I, again, I, I was just really, it, it, it kept it like there was a bell that went off in my head every time he said like every move we don't make every move we don't make. And like, part of me was like, they talking about like maybe the lack of moves they might make this off season. It's well, it's interesting you say that and, and that your mind went to all the way back to 2021 and, and some of the moves they didn't make back then or, or you know, not signing Kenny Galladay. Cause what I, when he said that there was two things that came into mind, not making any moves at the trade deadline. Oh yeah. That was a big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then yes. I felt a little Jalen Carter in there too. Ah, Okay. I could see yeah, that. I I do that. feel I do feel like there was because we definitely to to go, take it to the trade deadline. There was a lot of talk about you know the Lions need to go all in. This is their chance. And right. you know again going back to the Dan Campbell quote, there was and we we've talked about this before that there was a lot that is going to make it hard to get back to this place for the Detroit Lions. There's a lot of feeling that. Um, you know you you only get so many cracks at it, so you really have to go all out. At times, but Brad Holmes even said it later in the press conference, too. The goal has always been to build something to last. So year to year, there's not going to be this this mortgaging of the future, I think, remains the big takeaway from that quote. It's the biggest one of two I have. And that's always been the message from Brad Holmes. It's always been the MO for him in trying to, in rebuilding the Detroit lions, that they're going to take care of their own guys. They're not going to be selling the house on, on trading. Uh, I mean, they might move up in the draft, but it's not going to be some extreme stuff. There's not going to be at least at this stage, a Rams F them picks kind of move to just strike while the iron is hot. Even though I think some fans and media will push the lions to that because they see that moment right in front of them. Yep. The other big thing is going to be the reality of what's going to happen. I think when he talks about the moves we don't make, you mentioned a little bit earlier about how many guys the lions have to start considering for 
new contracts this offseason and next offseason. You have a big question looming with Jared Goff's extension. I think we are all in here about 90% certain he will get extended. But there, uh, like, regardless of whether or not there are going to be moves that are made and not made on certain players, uh, I'm sure Jonah Jackson would probably falls into that camp, whether there will be or will not be a move. There will be some cuts, I think, that will probably surprise Detroit Lions fans. But it's it's a once again, a subtle just just trust me on this right now. I am building for something long. I'm trying to build for something long term. And as much as fans hope the next year is going to be the Super Bowl, I don't think there's going to be any move that is going to jeopardize five years down the road just to make sure 2024 brings the dreams home. Yeah, I I think you nailed it there. Like to me, the overarching theme of this entire press conference was trust me, I got this Mm -hmm. because like part of it is, is like being the counteraction to what, Dan Campbell said a week ago, part of it, I think he's trying to get ahead of the media. Right. And I, I wrote about this for the newsletter today. Um, like the lines are not going to have the shine on them that they did in 2023. They're not going to be the media darling that they were. They're not going to be the new hot and sexy team. There are going to be plenty of people say, this is why the lines are going to regress in, in 2023 or 2024. I even wrote something like that already. Um, but like, the Packers, they're going to be the hot team, right? Jordan Love, with the way he finished the season, with the way, you know, they were 6-2 and two down the stretch the or whatever. Bears, number one the pick. They're probably yeah. going to get Caleb Williams, right? Yes, all these teams are suddenly going to be the hot team. And 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 you could, and Brad Holmes literally goes like, don't listen to everybody. Don't listen to the, the entertainment media. Don't listen to this. This is what they said before about me, and I was right. They're going to say the same things again this year. Remember, I'm the one that was right. Like that to me, that was what this entire press conference was about. Is like I was right before the media didn't know what they were talking about. The media is going to start talking trash about us again in about a month or two. Just trust. I might make a move that you don't agree with that you don't see the long term value in. Trust. I might make a draft pick. I might not pick a cornerback with the first round pick. You might hate that. Trust. That's the entire message that Brad Holmes was saying. And and it's fascinating. It's true. And like, I think every Lions fan that watched that was like, yes, Brad Holmes, like he's got us under his spell. He's like, uh-huh. I believe you do whatever you want. Brad Holmes. I mean, we, we held a poll today, a Brad Holmes approval poll. Do you want to guess what the approval poll was? I'll give you a hint. It was three digits. Oh, 99.9. Not bad. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> like, everyone has full buy-in on Brad Holmes right now. And and that's why I think this press conference went over so well. Yeah. Uh, Another one of my quick takeaways was um, him reasserting how much Dan Campbell means to everything that's going on here, Mm -hmm. because I have to imagine that that kind of piggybacks on the, the point that Jeremy was making right there of, Hey, look like the daytime sports talk show is going to say this about Dan Campbell and all of the, you know, you know, missed opportunities and the bad decisions he made in the fourth quarter. Like, I'm sure that there's an element of Brad having to see all of this stuff or, you know, be reminded of all this stuff from the Mm -hmm. NFC championship game. And, you know, the question gets asked about like, yeah, like how surprised were you that Ben Johnson and Aaron Glenn are coming back? And it was like, yeah, they're great coaches are awesome, but I have all the trust and faith in Dan Campbell as well. 
Right. And then it was the, the, the very next question was like, how much easier is free agency going to be like having Ben Johnson and having Aaron Glenn? He's like, yeah, continuity. But again, it all starts with Dan. So as long as Dan is here, then I feel really good about whoever we bring in from a free agency standpoint. Like a lot of this too was Brad backing up his guy, right? Like, you know, cause it wasn't, it, it can't only just be Brad up there saying like, oh man, like look at all my receipts. I'm just pulling all these out. Panay Sewell and, you know, everybody wanted us to draft a wide receiver earlier than, than we did. Cause we knew we wanted Amon Ross St. Brown. Like, it wasn't just that it was like, I got Dan's back too. And like, I, I have full faith. Like we don't get here with those players without Dan. So I, I thought that that was like a real, it, it felt subtle because obviously the headlines are all, you know, Brad and Holmes brought a, you know, a blowtorch to the, you know, media room <laughs> in Allen Park. But like th- there was a lot of like Dan support here yep. that I thought was calculated. I think so, too. It's definitely the the week that Dan has had from either the people who want to just be ignorant of like fourth down decisions or just don't like the idea of the fourth down decisions that he made get, has gotten a little out of head of front of its skis. I've heard even some people asking if it's a fireable offense, which is nonsense. But that's the kind of heat that is in the kitchen right now after that kind of NFC championship because the way that it is portrayed as it was right there for the lions to take. It was right there for the lions to take. I don't agree with that. I talked about it a lot on the post game. I had no problem with the fourth down decisions. I know there was stuff later in the game that there was probably I disagreed with, but it was too late in the game for me to really think about it too much. Dan's comments as well. Like, and he is probably the largest face of the Detroit Lions. It's not a quarterback. It's not Brad Holmes. It's not St. Brown. Like Dan Campbell is the face of the Lions. And I think that support that you're talking about, Ryan, uh, does go a long way. It does go a long way to sending a message that, hey, there's no problem here. Ownership likes what we're doing. We like Dan Campbell. There's And he is the reason for the season, for all of this. The last thing I I have on this is like, usually the end of season press conference from your general manager, you want to get kind of an overall preview of what the team is going to do. Get some hints about positions that they need, decisions that they have to make, like with, with Jared Goff's extension. We got almost none of that in this press conference. And some of it was Brad Holmes deflecting. He was asked, you know, what are your biggest positions of need? He basically punted on that question. He was asked, hey, doesn't doesn't your defense lack talent compared to the offense? And he said, Man, I think our defense plays well together and basically punted on that question. A lot of things he just never got asked about. But there was one thing he did say, and I loved what he said, that did kind of address some of the things that they're going to do in the offseason. It was with the offensive line. He was asked about Frank Rag now and, you know, vaguely retirement talk. And he just said, you know what, we'll, we'll let Frank make whatever decision he wants to make, blah, 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 blah. But then he said, like, but that offensive line, that is so essential to everything that we do. We are not going to let that slide. We are not going to just assume that we're going to be as good as next year. Like, we are going to make sure that is not getting ignored this offseason. And that's huge because they have some big decisions, whether it is Frank Ragnow's future or Jonah Jackson's future or Graham Glasgow's future or, you know, 
the depth. I mean, they don't have a, a swing tackle right now signed to the roster. The fact that Brad Holmes knows like, hey, we need to keep this strength of strength. That is huge because I'm I'm right there with him. Like they need to make sure they spend resources there where whether it's re-signing their own guys, whether it's drafting a guy in the future or doing a little bit of both. That was very reassuring to hear. It's one thing him and Bob Quinn have in common. Why would you do that? I'm what? Well, I think I, I mean, people, people, why did you turn into Christopher Walken there? I don't know. People, people are all good or all bad, you know? I do think, though, like that is there's going to be so much talk this offseason dominated about Jared Goff that, yeah, I think that is the the bigger thing, Jeremy, is like the other one that needs to get paid is Panay Swole. And that's like front and center. I think that's even a higher priority, to be honest. You have the best one, of the best right tackles in football right now. And again, like going back to move we make and every move we don't make. And we're talking about had plenty of questions about whether or not Jonah Jackson comes back with this team. You know, they 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 draft Sorsdal last year. They're not really using him too much. Um, but he's definitely seems to be in line for some work at some point as the developmental guy. It's they seem to they have a clarity of identity on how this entire team works on that. It starts with the offensive line and they understand those guys are very hard to replace, but you do eventually have to have not contingency plans, but um, what am I thinking of? Uh, succession plans in place if you want to keep a very good one right now, like the Lo- Eagles right now trying to deal with uh, Kelsey deciding to retire. Because their entire offense depends upon that line as well. Like that's your identity. You have to keep it in mind. And we'll we'll have to see what happens with Ragnow. That is a big question. I I do think he comes back, but like I, I it's he's under 30. I get it. I get the pain is a lot, and there's some inoperable elements to his toes now as well. But like I don't I don't think it's the time yet to see him step away. And and listen, like Sorsdal might be that plan, right? Mm-hmm. As 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 Brad Holmes said today, and he's always said, like, I've got a plan. To, like, as a general manager, you have to plan two, three years ahead of time. And so maybe when they draft Sorsdal, it was like, he's not going to be a starter in 2023. Maybe he's not a starter in 2024, but we are going to try to get him ready for 2025. Very possible that's the trajectory he's on. And I think now that we have examples of year three breakout guys in Ifatu Melifanu and Derek Barnes, we can like suddenly look at this team's roster and be like, you know what? We buried this guy and thought he was going to be a special teamer forever or a practice squad forever. Let's wait and see. Let's look three years ahead. So now let's look at, let's reevaluate the 2022 draft class and look at some of the guys that we thought, you know, we're two years in, uh, this guy's going to be good. This guy's not going to be good. Jameson Williams might be a perfect example, right? A guy that didn't do a ton in his first two years, started to get better. Maybe he's going to be great in year three. And so, again, I think this is another focus of the, the press conference today. It was Brad Holmes saying, like, listen, I got this. I, people didn't want to give Derek Barnes a chance, but I'm always thinking in the future. I'm always thinking down the line. You have to have one step in the, was it one one foot in the present, one foot in the future? He's doing that. And so it 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 should give us a little bit more clarity or at least a little bit more leniency to some of this past draft classes looking towards the future and, and realizing maybe they have more resources than we thought because we're overlooking this guy. We're overlooking that guy. 
Let's take a quick break. When we come back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast, um, we have a game show to do. Oh boy, it really is the off season. I, it is the, the game off shows season. Going. Ryan, Ryan could not wait to get in his game shows. What are we playing, Ryan? Uh, we are playing a game that I titled Fact or Fiction, Make a Prediction. I think and we've done Fact really, or Fiction before. Yeah, but I I added that little bit so that it would rhyme and be more catchy. I see. So you're doing the two stanza. Okay. <laughs> I like it. Fact or Fiction, Make a Prediction. Next on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pride to Detroit POD cast, and now it's time for game time. I feel like we need some imaging for all the games we do when Ryan brings into us a game to play. It's very sports talk radio-y. I love it. Nothing screams the offseason is upon us than Ryan being like, let me put some words together and make a game. And the game this week, Ryan, is... Uh, fact or fiction, make a prediction. It's a little wordy. We can workshop it. No, it's enhanced. I like it. It used to be fact or fiction, and now you have enhanced it. You've got a subtitle. Yeah, like I want to take out of you, too. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't I don't want just, you know. Truth or dare here, like I want you to act on it. So that's right. All right. Well, I hand over the keys of this uh, podcast. Sorry, Jeremy. Uh, (laughs) Over to Ryan. To lead us through the game. Yeah, with these keys, I can actually I can oh, okay. open the door to the studio. I can turn on the set and we can actually roll with this thing. Um, so, all right. First off, uh, Brad Holmes comment that this isn't a one off Cinderella season. His quote, don't get spooked this spring to think we can't sustain this thing. Uh, fact or fiction. And I'd like you to make a prediction. Chris, you want to go first? Oh, you're being cruel, making me go first. Because I, I think the problem is, and I'll tell you fact or fiction and the prediction at the at the same time here, but like, let me walk through this for myself. Because what's the level of Cinderella we're talking about? Getting to an FC championship game is quite difficult. We cannot understate that. Like, absolutely cannot. You can have playoff wins in the future. And I'd like to ask you, Ryan, or maybe ask Jeremy, like, what are we saying is the Cinderella is that they won two playoff games. They made it to an NFC championship. They were 30 minutes away from going to Las Vegas. Or is it that we're going to continue to have success in the playoffs, regardless of what that playoff success looks like? Because unfortunately, at the end of the day, every season, the playoffs, I I told this to Lions fans after after the game. Playoffs are cruel, Jack. Playoffs are real cruel because they can end at any point. 
And it doesn't matter how good you were in the season. Just look at the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens probably should have been like the Lions in the Super Bowl. And they put up their career, their their season lowest offensive performance and completely got away from the run game. Like things happen in playoff games. But I'm going to say fact, though. I think they can. I think they can get back here. I think next year the floor is a playoff win but not NFC championship. There's going to be more competition. It's going to be tougher. And as long as the Lions keep, and they and really the Lions got some luck to keep hosting games, Jeremy, especially with what the Packers did to the Dallas Cowboys. Like they're, they're going to have to learn how to win on the road next year. I, I, there, there was one thing that Jeremy said last week during uh, the break, I think where we were talking about, the the accolades or the accomplishments that were hung this season by the Lions, right? Like the the 30 years not hosting a playoff game and then winning a play and then winning another playoff game, like that makes it a Cinderella season in a vacuum, right? Yeah. A Cinderella season next year would then be a Super Bowl win, right? Like right. It, it seems like the the mm-hmm. room for Cinderella isn't really it's it's a it's a tall it's a tall bar yeah 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 i mean if it is if if yeah sorry go on Brian. uh, i was just gonna say that carriage can turn to a pumpkin real quick um so but i i jeremy like fact or fiction and then make a prediction well okay so he's not saying like we're gonna have a cinderella story again next year he's just saying like this was not this was not you know I'm trying to think of like an NCAA team that that had one good run. Like George Mason. George Mason. That's yeah, exactly. This is a George Gulf Mason Coast, right? Yeah. Where they they make it down to the final four and then you never hear from again, right? So this is fact. I mean, this team is going to be competitive for the foreseeable future. I don't think there's any question about it. Um you know, the one of the youngest rosters in in football and they got as far as they were able to. They have a quarterback that they they are comfortable with that that can play at a high level. They have two people in leadership positions that have only proven themselves extremely capable of what they're doing in Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell. And and like Brad Holmes was saying, like, I don't care what happens with the I mean, he didn't straight up say this, but he implied it like I don't care that much about our coordinators leaving because I'm that confident in Dan Campbell. And that's where I'm at with Dan Campbell. And that's where I'm at with Brad Holmes. There's a reason these guys have a 99 and 100% approval rate in Detroit. They've done everything right since they've stepped in this building. So absolutely buying this. Now, make a prediction. All right. Lions win the division again and win a playoff game again. They get at least to the divisional round next year. We're on the same prediction. Yeah. I dig it. Um, all right. So the next topic, um, this was an interesting uh, question that was brought up during Brad Holmes presser, but it was this idea that, you know, do you view a discrepancy between the level of talent on the defense and on the offense? Um, and Brad Holmes came back and said, there's a lot of guys on defense with a lot of upside and a lot of potential. Uh, I'll, I'll go reverse Uno back to Jeremy. Uh mm-hmm. Fact or fiction that there are a lot of guys on defense with upside and a lot of potential, or is it fiction and then make a prediction? I'm going to say fiction because he seemed to be suggesting that like, no, they're about equal in talent. And 
it's just it's not true. I get what he's trying to say, like the youth on the defense. There, there's a lot more youth on the defense. And so, yeah, there there is potential on that side of the ball. But the reason the offense has been so good is because they have proven veterans on the offensive line. Like that's something that Brad Holmes kind of walked into a little bit, right? Frank Ragnow was there. Taylor Decker was there. Jonah Jackson was there. There were guys there. There was a foundation there. So it makes sense that that side of the ball turned around on a dime. That that side of the ball was already good once you got the right coaches in place and a couple more pieces. Defensively, I don't see a lot of those core pieces yet. There are some players, we, we talked about them before, that, that could develop into those guys. And, and yes, I agree with Brad that there are some potential of those. You know, the upside is bigger than, than how they've performed. Without adding any additional players, the defense could get better. But it's not there yet. And so my, I guess my prediction is this is still not going to be a top 10 defense in 2024. I also am going to say fiction because I think we went into this season looking for upside on some of those guys on defense and just quite honestly didn't get them. Like, I, I know injuries hampered some of that, but even when healthy, I don't know how how much I could say Jerry Jacobs contributed to this team. And Tracy Walker has basically stopped being being a starter. Like, I, I think the upside came in guys who were the linebackers specifically Derek Barnes, Jack Campbell, Alex Anzalone, all those guys played phenomenally well. But when we're talking about the defensive line, there were some guys who were still struggling to pull some weight out there. And there's definitely of the DBs. That's the whole story. And we don't need to keep revisiting it over and over um, there. Uh, the talent discrepancy is pretty big. I'm sorry. It's fiction. That said, if I'm going to make a prediction on this, I'm going to take it to the draft and I'm going to say that it's not going to be the position first off the board for the Lions isn't going to be the position people think that it's going to be because ultimately I think there's still some need up front as well. And I'm going to say my prediction is that. That in the draft among young talents, the defensive line is going to be addressed before the defensive backs. Because I think that's that's. That's kind of the other side of the story of what happened this year with the defense. We understood like getting a CB one in this league has become very hard. We are not no yeah. longer in those golden ages, the 2010s where you had Richard Shervin and Revis Island out there. You had this fantastic CB talent. It's very hard to hit on those guys. How much of us was talking about sauce Gardner like, this year after that, after that rookie year he had. The point is that, Aaron Glenn and what I've tried to defend Aaron Glenn on is that he's at least figured out that if you can't have the corners that can lock down, you can you can rush the hell out of the guy and they don't have anyone out there to really aid Aiden Hutchinson right now on a large level. And Aiden Hutchinson is fine, but he's like not getting home because he doesn't have another edge out there and he's not getting as much DT help unless Aleem McNeil is is healthy and playing very well. So I think they're going to address the line, the D line before they addressed uh, DBs, at least when it comes to draft capital. It, it's interesting. You, you kind of touched on an interesting point there, because <clears throat> while, while Brad Holmes might be focusing on like the youth movement in on the defense, you know, like if he is obviously a guy to be very optimistic about the future, Jack Campbell, 
Aiden Hutchinson, Ali McNeil, Josh Pascal, all these guys, all these young players are are up and coming and 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 you're hopeful for them. Derek Barnes is in that conversation as well. I feel like the 2023 season was just as defined defensively about underwhelming players that had high expectations. Mm-hmm. About your Cam Suttons, about your uh Charles Harris's, Romeo Quara, Julian O'Quara, all these the guys that invested were in- three years. Lions have invested three years into Cam Sutton and they got to figure right. something out with that. <clears throat> Yeah, and and I think he'll get better, but there there's so many guys who went into the season with prominent roles who ended up like completely. Uh, Jerry Jacobs is included in that too. Like these guys that are just like mm. they expected to lean on these guys, and they just they fell off a cliff. And so there's there has to be a big shakeup in terms of your overall wow. talent. There, you have to get rid of Julian O'Quar and Romeo maybe Romeo Quar and, and, and Charles Harris, and you have to find replacements for those guys. And it's not going to be easy to do in one offseason. And I think like, look, I'll give some credit to Kendall Vildor playing out of his mind this year to get into that position. I know sometimes some of the plays Vildor was involved in was rough. Like he's definitely shown you can at least be a depth part, but I'll throw one more name on there, Jeremy. I, I don't know if Vildor sustains it is my main point, but like I'll throw one more onto that pile of names there, Jeremy, that we kind of expected things from like, and I think he played well, but Kirby Joseph is kind of starting to show you he's a bit of a liability when it comes to penalties. Like he's, it's, he's it's very so, much it, a boomer bust player too. I uh, there there is some there is some times where I've seen Kirby Joseph take a penalty that he can does not need to be taking. And a note to grow on for the offseason, I guess. Yeah. Kirby's an interesting player, though, just because how long he's been playing the safety position is relatively short. And that's the interesting thing about some of the players that the Lions and specifically Brad kind of took risks on. Right. Like if he fits that to a T. Right. Like he was a long, lanky corner. Now he's a safety, you know, and then even with uh, Derek Barnes. Right. Edge rusher to linebacker like like. Brad Holmes, 100% unafraid to draft a guy who might be a tweener um, or a guy who maybe underwent a position change or even James Houston, who has relatively played very little football in his career. Right. Um, But Brad talked about that all throughout his press conference today, right? Like he talked Mm. so much about intangibles and um, you know, that was, that was obviously one of the big takeaways from, from his press conference. All right. The next uh, Brad Holmes comment. Um, I'm going to jump to this one because I'm going to be interested to see how you guys think on this, but fact or fiction, I'll go Uno reverse back to Chris. Uh, there's no one specific area of the team that needs to be addressed in order for them to become a Super Bowl level team, which was the question in today's press conference. So fact or fiction on that, there's no one specific area of the team that needs to be addressed in order for them to become a Super Bowl contender. I mean, this this feels a lot like the last question, Ryan. And it, I'm going to say fiction again because it keeps coming back to we always love our idioms on here on on uh, best availability, uh, best ability is availability and everything. Let me throw another one at you. Defense wins championships. I'm just going to have to keep growing on what we just talked about. Like the defense is the one that's going to have to be some the one that takes them to the next level like i'm sorry that i i think the defense played very well at the end of the season and stood on their head a lot of the failings came from the offense but you want to be the team that goes to the next level it's going to have to be something from from the defense and yeah 
you're going to need a couple of more playmakers on the defense to really do it. I don't really have a prediction on this one because I feel like, again, I'd be repeating the one I just made. Um, I'll, I'll go to Jeremy while I think of the prediction. I'll let Jeremy handle it while I'm thinking of the prediction here. Yeah, I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I also think it's fiction. I th- like to me, it's it's not even close. Like cornerback is the team's biggest need, and it's not even close anywhere else. And they they need it. We we saw the Lions get by by the skin of their teeth from December to January while giving up 350 yards passing every single week. And and listen. They're they're so good on offense. These games shouldn't be that close. They shouldn't have to get one last play on offense to win a game or get an interception from Derek Barnes to win a football game. They need to be able to run away with games. They need to be able to blow out teams at times, given how good they are on the offensive side of the ball. And for all the talk that we've had about the conference championship game, about the offense not putting up any points until the final minute of the game and the decisions made by Dan Campbell. Defense didn't force a punt. The defense allowed a score on every single second half drive of that game. There needs to be some accountability on that side of the ball too. And the Lions currently have one okay starter at corner. In the, in the league of passing that, that we live in today, that is not enough to survive. I think we all agreed, even going into the playoffs, that the fatal flaw that was probably going to hold this team out of a Super Bowl was their inability to stop the pass, particularly with their outside corners. And you can make an argument that is what ultimately sunk them. It's a huge need. And so my prediction, two draft picks on a cornerback this year. Can I ask you, and, let me... And a free agent addition. Three. We're, we're going full Antoine Randall L, wide receiver, begging for corners. You're going to get three of them this offseason. Mm. Let me ask you, and I guess Ryan can can go on this too. And I know this is, I know I'm getting going a little schlocky with this question, but I do like to ask the question because one of the other thing about because that that part of your question there, Ryan, on taking the team to the next level, and I'm sure it's going to be a popular one because I I wonder about the offense on how much we did not get to see them, Jeremy, playing from behind this year. And I don't know if that's a concern for you, but I guess the question is, is Jared Goff a quarterback who can take them to that next level to the Super Bowl, too? I think he is. But it's certainly the number one question for a lot of people. Also, to put this right back into the you said you said defense wins championships. Mm -hmm. San Francisco, the number four pass defense DVOA Kansas City Chiefs, the number five pass defense DVOA. I mean, that that Chiefs team won that game like it it was described as Lamar Jackson versus Patrick Mahomes. But like that was a Chiefs defense that made the the Ravens look look incompetent. Like that was a fantastic that game was won by that defense for the AFC. Okay, fair enough. I. I'm sorry, I'm bouncing all over the question. I mean, I'm bouncing all over the question, Ryan. No, no, it's fine. The points are all made up. We'll we'll see how many points you end up with at the end of the game. Um, so this I'm kind of, I'm not, I'm going to get the quote right, okay? But um, I, I, I may be kind of twisting it a little bit and kind of adding my own uh, appendage to it. So just so listen to this, okay? So um, 
it was a question that Brad was asked about the offensive line um, and reinvesting in the offensive line being a point of emphasis this offseason. Uh, because, I mean, it, I feel like that much is obvious, right? We talked about maybe Frank's uncertain future. You literally have holes at both the guard positions. Um, going back to the last question where we were talking about the obvious need that the Lions have an outside corner. If that's one, is there room for a 1B being the guard position? Is that factor fiction? Like, is it almost just as much of a need as outside corner is? Because we've seen what interior pressure does to not only the, you know, what what kind of game Ben Johnson can call from a running standpoint, but also what kind of game the Lions can run on offense with Jared Goff with, with interior pressure. So, like, I, I guess it's kind of factor fiction to this idea that Brad Holmes was kind of alluding to all throughout his press conference of, like, it can't all just be this one thing, right? And he talked about, like, oh, you want to pair Aiden Hutchinson with another pass rusher, or you want to pair this safety who had a good year with another safety. It's like, you can't just devote all of your attention and become, you know, tunnel vision on corners, corners, lions eat corners. As soon as you put your hole in or put your hand in that hole that's springing a leak, Right. There there are there's no depth. There are no starters along the interior of the offensive line. So I my my question is like how important is it to the Lions to fortify the interior of their offensive line, Jeremy? Is well, it I mean, arguably I, just as important as the outside corner problem. Yeah. I would say so. I'd say that's fact. Um and, and I talked about it a little bit last segment. Like how many times have we heard the coaching staff say this this season like the offensive line is the engine under the hood, right? Bring in some car talk. It's it's what makes this offense go. And and to be quite honest, given the complementary nature of, of this entire team, it's what makes the entire team go. If they're able to control the ball on offense and run clock, that helps the defense. That helps the passing game. That helps Jared Goff. That helps everybody. And so that is the identity of this team. It's they're They are going to go out and make sure that that is taken care of. And I don't know if that means re-signing Graham and Jonah. Because if if you do that, you're set up pretty good. You probably want to add a little bit of depth on the outside, maybe another piece on the inside. Depends how you feel about Colby Sorstel, but that's a very simple fix. Um, at least on paper, we don't know how much Jonah is asking for, but... It might be I'd a like, costly fix, though. It could right? be a costly fix, but I think this team is going to be willing to spend the resources if necessary. I know offens- offensive line is already something that they're top two or top three in spending already given Taylor's contract, given Frank's contract. Um, and so it's going to, it's going to cost more. Graham wants a raise too, understandably. So, and you're, you're about to pay, pay Panay, if not this year, the next year. So it, it's very plausible that they move on from Jonah, but if they do, I am certain they are going to have a backup plan and, and they already have that backup plan. It, it certainly doesn't seem like, if Jonah walks, it's Colby's job or it's Coyote's job. There's no like, not yet. And and yeah. I mean, unless they see something out of Colby that we haven't seen, but given that they played Aushika in, in the conference championship game, I think it's safe to say that they're not, they don't think he's ready yet, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if your tier or year three is like the year that they've circled as, okay, he's going to take over then. So maybe they, 
Maybe they find a stopgap instead of Jonah. Maybe that's the plan. But at the same time, Graham's not going to last forever either. So we'll see. I'm going to actually try to spice this up and try to go the other way just to try to argue the other side of it. I'm going to say fiction on reinvesting because I think they already you've basically named everyone they have around here to basically plug up the holes right now if they do let someone like Jonah Jackson walk. I think they between Sorsdal and Aosika, like they are going to have enough right now that they're going to want to try the pieces they have here first for the reinvestment before they continue to invest this particular offseason. I do think for what they have here in the building right now, like, I mean, my prediction is that they're probably going to let Jonah Jackson walk. But I don't also, but I also don't think that what what you're going to see as investment for that O-line is going to feel more like down the road projects like Sorstel. It's not going to be grabbing someone who will be a day one starter at the guard position. I can definitely see that. There, 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 there's going to meet it. Be there's going to. There is a need, an immediate need to fill that position, though, right? Yes. The team isn't isn't looking to go away, and so can you rely on Aushika for a full season? I sure hope not. Um, can you rely on Sorsdal for a full season? Is he making that transition to guard from because he was playing a lot of tackle for a long time? Yeah, I. I I mean, they made it clear from the get go. That's that's where they want him right in the NFL. Mm -hmm. But the question is whether he's ready. And that's that's we don't have that answer. And and the Lions certainly have an idea on on when or if he'll ever make that jump to starter. But it would be it would be very dangerous if, if they let Jonah go and didn't have some sort of immediate plan. And even if that plan is. Sorstel, that's a pretty significant risk. And so I'm hoping that's that's not the plan going forward. Mm-hmm. Like at least get a stopgap in there, preferably a, a relatively high-end starter. But I'm with you. Like if if the Lions decide to move on from Jonah, I think they add a high-end starter and add a developmental guy, add a add a day two or a day three guard that they that might not start this year, but they think could start down the road. Yeah, I, I guess what I'm saying is fiction is that they they have to what Brian's trying to say is like this is as high of a priority as CB. I think they will regard it lower. Okay. Yeah, there, there's some interesting things that that I thought when when you guys brought up some points like you know Chris talking about um, you know getting getting a player right to not plug an immediate need and maybe somebody who might be years down the road. I mean, is there another example better for that than Broderick Martin? I mean, that's Mm -hmm. a guy where they lost Isaiah bugs or, you know, chose to move on from Isaiah bugs. Um, You know, Aleem McNeil goes down, he's hurt. It's towards the end of the season. And what do the lions do? They go get Tyson Alualu to go fill that spot. Not a guy Mm -hmm. that they, you know, moved off a bunch of, day three picks to, to move up uh, into the third round and and take a guy like Broderick Martin. So like there's part of me that thinks they could do that with the offensive line. But to me personally, it feels like that's the strength of this team and you cannot let that strength become a weakness because the lion's ability to put up points in bunches is their superpower. 
it feels very akin to like the the Chiefs teams from from years past with Priest Holmes and I'm bringing up some wild comparisons, but like even the Colts teams with Peyton Manning, right? They could put up points in bunches, but it was always whether or not their defense was going to show up, right? And that was the thing to to Chris's point, right? Like the whole like defense wins championships cliche. It wasn't until like the Colts put together a defense that wasn't a bottom ranked team that a Hall of Fame quarterback could eventually, you know, win a Super Bowl. So I I I do think that there's last offseason though where the Lions poured a ton of resources into fixing the defensive backfield. And you can argue that they made one good choice, and it was Brian Branch. <laughs> Yep. And, you know, and, and that goes to show, like, if you are, if you get so tunnel vision on, on fixing something, yeah, they had to take swings and injuries happen and it sucks. But I think to that point, though, like it would it wouldn't surprise me in the least if if Brad Holmes took a guard at twenty nine. Like, it, it wouldn't shock me. Is and that your again, prediction? Well, that's just me making sure that I don't end up on, you know, some kind of cereal box Get or milk here. carton. Yeah. So, um, all right. All right. Uh, I, I don't think I have any more questions. Yeah, we do. We are over the hour mark. So I think this is a pretty good. Place oh, yeah. I see. Do. I see. I see the word wrap in the rundown. So, yeah. OK. Well, I know you guys <laughs> don't read Slack in the middle of these things. So I'm just trying to, like, try to tell you we're at, like, the 28 minute mark. That's all. Doing production notes on air. Only thing you can hear on the Pride to Detroit POD cast because uh, it's all organic, even if it's knotted and brambled. You're getting us raw. Okay, and I'm the one who has raw dog in it. <laughs> you want me to take it a step further? Yeah, if you're gonna, I don't want to ever hear a complaint about my them. meat reads ever again. <laughs> for myself, for Ryan Matthews, for Jeremy Reisman, I'm Chris Perfett. We got more coming here in the offseason, midweek mailbag returning at some point, some new offerings to replace some of our in-season content. It's coming down the pike here once we've recharged the batteries a bit. As always, we'll see you star side. Pride to Detroit POD cast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, and it's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park, and each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions and the POD cast, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. For our listeners, we have a special offer for you. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout get you 15% off your order. That's POD15 at RighteousFelon.com.